0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio is a platform that helps growth-focused e-commerce brands drive more sales with super-targeted, highly relevant email, Facebook, and Instagram marketing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance. My guest today is Jill Soley. She is a Silicon Valley-based strategic product And marketing executive happens to be the chief product officer at a project management tool called Oboe. And today we're going to talk about a book that she's a co-author on called Beyond Product, how exceptional founders embrace marketing to create and capture value for their business. So Jill, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: So as, as we were deciding on topic for today's show, you suggested marketing for non-marketers. And I guess it just makes me as a, marketer want to know what's the difference between non marketing marketers marketing for non marketers and just i don't know marketing
1: so um specifically uh i i'm interested and in i you know i wrote a book uh about marketing and its audience is really um startup founders small business leaders anyone launching new products or new businesses um who doesn't come from a deep marketing background. And that's why I suggested the topic that what I've seen is that most founders don't come from a marketing background. And it's obviously, well, I think obviously super important to the success of their business to understand. So the, the idea behind the book is that particularly here in Silicon Valley, um, there are lots of technical founders, Uh, who they've, you know, they have an idea for a company, they start a company and they have deep expertise in the domain, they have deep deep expertise in the technology, they're focused on building product, maybe they're salespeople, but most of them aren't marketing people. And um, what happens as a result is there's, well, there are a bunch of different sort of scenarios, but many of them and most of them lead to, Uh, companies that aren't that successful, because there's often this belief that um, if you build it, they will come, right? I've I've got the best product. So of course it's going to be successful. Um, Or they just, they make mistakes that uh, perhaps wouldn't happen and that have to do with hiring or mismatch expectations, et cetera, um, that lead to uh, major points of failure.
0: Do you do you have statistics on startups? I mean, I know a lot of people talk about when I started you know, working primarily with small business, it was like 50% of all small businesses fail in the first three years. I don't know if that statistic's accurate <laughs> or not, but particularly when it comes to kind of the work you've seen with product startup you know, folks, are, is there kind of a number that people use that, you know, you talked about it not being as success, successful, but I mean, is there a number for like, down, outright failure? So
1: I've seen uh, a few different studies uh, that basically sort of um, all kind of center somewhere around this 80% number. I've seen um, some that go as high as saying 95% of startups fail and some that are a little lower, closer to 70%. But the upshot is more than half of it's not just startups, but it's new products in general. So that's new products and large businesses fail.
0: Yeah. So, so let's talk about products and product marketers. I mean, you talked about in some cases that, you know, this, this was a scientist or an engineer or something that had a good idea, um, thought the world needed it, you know, brought it to the market. Is that really much different than say the, the person that learned how to do accounting, you know, that started an accounting firm. I and mean, do you see, do you see differences between kind of that service and that product um, in terms of, of really even, you know, what the go-to-market is? It,
1: well, differences in terms of the challenges that they face or difference in terms of the go-to-market that
0: they need the approach? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, probably the challenges are somewhat similar, but in, in terms of the kind of the mentality of of how they're going to go out there and get clients and and market the business.
1: So at the core, um, I think it's pretty consistent, right? At the core, the approach is really figure out who your customer is, figure out what their pain points are, figure out what their needs are, speak to those, right? Make sure you're solving a problem for them. I mean, the fundamentals of marketing are actually pretty consistent. It's depending on who that customer is. Um, The approach is going to be wildly different. Are you selling to teenagers who live on their phones? Are you selling to, uh, you know, to uh, moms or elderly people or, you know, you name it, these other demographics who may spend time, you know, business people who are at conferences or whatever, right? Like where and how you market may be different as a result, but the fundamentals are very much the same.
0: Would you say also, I guess, another dynamic that's at play here when we're talking about product um, companies is that a lot of times, I, I'll, I'll go back to my example of the accounting firm. I mean, there's already a market established for, I got to get my taxes done. <laughs> I have to have XYZ done. Maybe now I'm just looking for somebody to fill that need for me. Whereas occasionally, or maybe the majority of the time, somebody's creating a product that maybe fills a need for something that didn't exist before, that they actually have to maybe even educate People as to what problem this solves. Um, Would you say that that's a sort of an inherent challenge with a product company?
1: Uh, I would say those those are, um, but both of those companies have big major challenges, but they're very different challenges. And I've done I've done both. Right, I've ran marketing for a company that um, sold customer support software. Right, very crowded market. And the challenge is, how do you rise above the fray? How do you show that you're different and get people to pay attention to you? Versus I've done, you know, category creation where nobody is looking for specifically for that product that you're selling and you have to educate them on what it is and why they need it and how you could help them and so forth. But I mean, both are inherently hard. They're just hard in different different ways.
0: So because you have the word beyond product, um, in, in the topic, I'm, I'm guessing that a big, um, piece of your work and your education is to, is to teach people that it's not enough to just have a good product. So how do you have to go beyond that? Or how do you begin to move beyond the fact that maybe you do have a good idea or a good product, I should say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really one of the, one of the common problems that I saw was, you know, the, that first stage of, of a startup, right, uh, is very much um, founders get very focused in on the product, building out that product and get the blinders on to the other things that they need to do. Right. It's um, there's a lot of stuff that you need to do that you should be doing early on and you could be getting benefit from sort of the work you're doing early on, hopefully with discovery and testing with customers and stuff. That isn't happening because they're so focused on product. But what happens is then they all of a sudden they deem that they have a product that's ready to go to market and they haven't done all the other stuff that they need to do. And so that launch doesn't do so well, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So how important do you think it is to actually develop a product with an ideal customer in mind or maybe even with feedback from an ideal customer to – you know, so instead of you're just doing something in a laboratory, you're actually doing something that somebody validates while you're doing it.
1: Oh, I, I believe it's absolutely essential.
0: I mean, is is that a step that you see quite often gets completely skipped?
1: Yes, I am surprised how often it gets skipped actually. or there's there's not sort of true right validation. It's let me test this with friendly people, right? my my buddies, et cetera, who are of course gonna support me. Um, or they, the product, uh, doesn't have the, the founders not, uh, aren't, aren't truly focused on a segment and they're sort of trying to meet the needs of too large a segment. And so they can't really meet anybody's needs super well, right? Because you only have so much bandwidth, right? There are a bunch of challenges in there. Uh, if you're not really sort of focused on an
0: ideal customer. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers. And this allows you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. There's powerful segmentation, email autoresponders that are ready to go, great reporting. You want to learn a bit a little bit about the secret to building customer relationships? They've got a really fun series called Clavio's Beyond. Black Friday. It's a docu-series, a lot of fun, quick lessons. Just head on over to Clavio.com Beyond BF, Beyond Black Friday. So a lot of, I mean, you see it in the media occasionally, you know, somebody has an idea, creates a product, it's a huge hit, and they cash out and, and exit. Do you, and then and then, obviously, there are people that that build a product and then they decide they want to grow the category and maybe they want to add more products and maybe they want to you know have impact in a different way. Is there a completely different path to how you would develop those two companies if 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 I had the goal of I want to get in you know cash out on this thing as fast as possible as opposed to I want to mature this product or this company i mean are are you going to go about building those companies in different ways
1: um. Potentially, uh, you know, if you're really trying to get a quick win and you're going to cash out and you aren't really trying to solve a problem, uh, sort of really solve a problem and be there long term to kind of build it out and support it and so forth, then I guess maybe you cut corners and stuff such that uh, you make it look good and seem good up front but it doesn't really scale etc ongoing um maybe you can hear my voice the skepticism around that strategy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and maybe that's you know my own personal bias right around i'm pretty mission driven right the things that i do i mean this book is mission driven i'm trying to solve a problem that i'm seeing right all this waste, you know, products that are failing for the wrong reasons. Right. I mean, you don't make money on a book. Right. I, I didn't write the book to make money. I wrote Beyond Product because I'm trying to actually help people, you know, offer some some painful lessons learned. Right. That I've learned and that other people have learned along the way to people who I think can benefit from it. Uh, so I think if you're really trying to go and build something that actually makes an impact, uh, then you go out and really figure out what the problem is, right? What's that, what's a real problem in the market? And then work towards, towards really solving it, right? Which isn't going to be an overnight thing, probably.
0: If, if somebody came to you and, and they really had a, what seemed like a pretty good idea, they'd done some research, they'd done some discovery. Um, what, what would be kind of your, well, here are five things that you need to make sure you do.
1: So if they're, you know, at the really early stage, uh, certainly I would look into the kind of research they, they've done and try and uh, and just really understand it and make sure that they'd kind of dug in deeply and they weren't um, sort of suffering from confirmation bias, if you will, right? Which is common, you know. The early research is either with people I know or it's I'm listening for things that confirm. Uh, you know, my beliefs instead of uh, that refute it. Um, and so, you know, once I'd kind of dug into that and had some level, either have a level of confidence or kind of send them back to do some additional research. And then sort of as they get to that next stage where they're trying to sort of really define, well, what is that solution now, right? Um, I try and get them to segment among those early customers who they talk to, right? Who are you really solving for? Get a really clear picture. Uh, maybe try and find some of those people who will be early beta testers and then figure out kind of what are some of the, the smallest what's that smallest thing that they could provide that might solve a problem and begin to do quick iterations. Maybe, I mean, they don't even have to be product at that point. They could potentially be, you know, paper prototypes, et cetera, what can you put in front of people to really kind of test out your ideas in a cheap and quick way to iterate uh, before you spend a lot of money to, to build out your solution?
0: Are there some folks that you think have done this particularly well? Maybe they learned <laughs> while they were doing it, but in the end, they came out um, and did a, a really great job with what you think is a, is a great way to go beyond product.
1: I think there are, um, there are certainly lots of startups that do this. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, you can go back to something, uh, you know, like a Salesforce even, right? I mean, their initial product wasn't really much to speak of, right? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that's a marketing company. They have done a phenomenal job of marketing. But what they did early on is they, they saw a pain point in the market, right? They saw that there were these uh, segments, these parts of companies, right? These departments and all whose needs weren't being met. And they weren't going to be met by this, the big enterprise product that was there. Right. So they went in with a smaller, you know, cloud-based product that, that these departments could implement and they could get benefit from. And then they built out their product and then they expanded and they built out platform and so on and so on and so on until they became the Salesforce that we know today. Right.
0: (laughs) So then they became the big enterprise product.
1: Exactly. And (laughs) we can argue about whether it's a great product today or not and you know, so forth. But, um, I mean, if you're looking at sort of a, a model for this, I thought I think that that's a pretty good one. There's certainly lots of startups as well um, that are doing this today, as well as the ones who are who are perhaps not.
0: Yeah, I think I think HubSpot actually probably copied that model to to some degree. I mean, they they were voracious marketers um, as they were building out. You know the product, and I think a lot of people, a lot of HubSpot fans. I don't know how familiar you are with them um, and their product, but you know, early on, it was a pretty clunky product, and uh, and now they've you know they've really continued to invest and enhance it. But but they they were you know voracious marketers.
1: Well, and one of the things they got the marketing right, and there's some interesting sort of marketing strategy that they did really well. But one of and one of the things that they in particular did is I think. Early on, as I understand it, they had some internal debates about who their customer was. Um, and Brian Halligan has actually written about this online, that they uh, they eventually kind of had it heart to heart as a company, right? Internally, uh, they sat down and kind of forced that decision. And as I understand it from people there, right, it was forcing that decision and picking a very specific target market that really helped their business be successful.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, so... Let's talk a little bit about Oboe. Uh, are you, as a chief product officer at Oboe, are you bringing kind of what, what you've learned? And, and certainly, you know, anytime you write a book and then you're in this position, <laughs> I think there's going to be some people pointing to you, you know, are we are we practicing what we're preaching um, in, you know, in the, the real world?
1: Yep. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do there. I mean, right now, I'm actually, you know, I've come in, um, product isn't... Um, isn't out in the market yet, um, but we're close. But I'm going in and I'm actually going back and just validating some of what uh, you know what has been decided in terms of strategy um, to frankly, you know, make sure that I buy into it and to figure out sort of where we go from here. Um, its mission and sort of where it started was this idea of market first product, right? Uh, focusing in on um, a market need and understanding the market as opposed to product out, right? Product first. And there are expert market researchers, you know, as part of the the team and so forth, right? That really, really believe this inherently and are looking at sort of how we uh, include that in our process as well as include it in our product, right? So that's exactly what I'm trying to do at OVO.
0: So, Jill, uh, where can people find out more about your work Um get the book obviously uh particularly if you're a product person out there listening um and and really anywhere else you want to send people to find out more
1: sure so uh you can learn more about beyond product at beyondproduct.co.co not com uh and of course you know it's available on amazon.com and all of your you know any of your favorite uh bookstores uh, I can also be found at JillSully.com. And if you're interested in uh, software for product managers, uh, Obo is at oboe.pm, pm. So lots of places to find me.
0: Awesome. Well, Jill, thanks for uh, taking the time to stop by today, and hopefully we'll uh, run into you uh, when I'm out there on the road.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks, John. This is fun.